Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is finally a flying car with my friend Guy Kaplinski. How's it going, Guy? Good. Thank you. Thank you, Joe, very much. Guy, this is an exciting topic for me. I've been wanting a flying car for many years. I don't think I'm very much closer to it given given, uh, the price tag of one, but um, I'm excited nonetheless because they're going to keep coming down and I'm going to have one. But first things first, please introduce yourself and your company and where you're at. Yeah, hi, I'm Guy Kaplinski. I'm here in the Bay Area. We have a showroom in Los Altos, California, Silicon Valley. We are building here our flying car, drive and fly vehicle with a vertical takeoff and conventional takeoff. It's a four-seater vehicle and we do 250 mile range. It's a full electric with a range extender. And the name of the company is? Aska. Aska, A-S-K-A. And it's drive and fly. (laughs) Guys, this is a podcast, so you're not, and I guess you can see the video cast, but we're not showing any pictures. But Guy was kind enough to give me a little tour, virtual tour of his showroom there in uh, California. And it is fantastic. I've I've, I've, kind of gotten a deep dive looking at all this information that's online. I told Guy as a 50-something man, I grew up with my friends talking about when would we get our flying cars. We just assumed by the time we would drive that we would all have flying cars. And I remember we talked about it. Like we won't, we'll actually have to learn to fly cars. And I remember here I am, I've been driving for over 40 years (laughs) and I don't have a flying car yet. So it's one of those things that was seemingly real easy to deliver, at least in my childhood mind, but not so easy (laughs) to deliver in real life. Yeah, I mean, this is a very complex, you know, engineering. You know, people go flew to the moon and, you know, talking about moving to Mars. But, you know, we're not having the right transportation to move us for 100 miles, you know, 150 miles in cost-effective way. But because this is this is a complex and a lot of companies try it in the past. But we being very dedicated about drive and fly capabilities so people can drive on the road and vertically take off or conventionally take off. And that require just complex engineering. And But with the development of batteries today, we are able to make it happen. Finally, finally. Yes, exactly. So before we get into the topic here, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? And give us some career highlights. This isn't your first rodeo. So talk a little bit about what you did before you founded ASCA. So I'm originally from Israel, living 45 minutes south of Tel Aviv. Very grew up in very small village. And school were never being always my, uh, you know, <laughs> honey. honey was, yeah, it was <laughs> not. But I always like to invent stuff. And I, I enjoy to, to do things. So I start after I uh, finished four years in the in the army. I, I studied in Israel, completed my college, and then started work for a Japanese trading company, which gave me visibility for the world. We did a lot of projects uh, with that. And then in t- 20, uh, 2001, 
one day, you know, you work for a Japanese company and you think this is work for life, you know, and suddenly they have to cut the employees and they shut down the Israel office. And I found myself with no job and I have to do something. I've done that before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was kind of like a shock because you're on top of the world and suddenly, uh, you know, have nothing. So uh, that time was the, you know, crisis, economical crisis around the world. And when there is economical crisis around the world and you cannot find a job, the first thing you can do is establish defense company because that you know, <laughs> defense businesses go well when, when that happening. So you started a defense business in Israel? Yep. I started a defense company in Israel. It was very tough to start with. I mean, I had no experience in that area. And I approached to some Israeli defense company and tried to persuade them to use our services. It was very hard to get them on. But I worked for free for two years. I was working uh, in a restaurant during the weekend, but I showed them I was successful. And we did a couple of projects in Northern Europe successfully. And then I got a lot of contract from Lockheed Martin, Oster Grumman, and the major defense contractors. So it was a very successful company. What were you making or is it not something you can talk about? So we did very specific development for government and defense contractors in software area and some hardware tra uh, trading. I cannot talk about everything that we did there. <laughs> right. but uh, I understand. So that was your first company. And you, what did you, did you Sell it? No, since the, all the IP belonged to other, you know, to government. Oh, you couldn't sell that, yeah. I couldn't sell the company, <laughs> but we did the $1.2 billion project uh, in the end. So, Whoa. yeah, so that was a really good for me. So, yeah, so that, that was a... Yeah, when we were prepping for this, I talked to you about this. You know, you mentioned you grew up in a village out in, outside of Tel Aviv, which just sounds so quaint. But at the same time, I think... Israel has such unbelievable tech footprint now. I think you could argue that outside of Silicon Valley, the next big tech place, I mean, somebody might say Austin or Boston, you know, there's lots of cities that now are doing very well, but I think Tel Aviv would be right up there in, the, in that conversation. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Israel is, is going crazy now in terms of startup. You know, people are just motivated and I think that's, People like to complete because startup is very important to just think, make make things, make them happen, you know, just move the ball, maybe not always right, maybe not always the best, but just keep them going and you've been forced yourself. And I think this is something coming from the army that you get a mission, just have to complete it. Nobody cares how. Right. I, I never was in the military. I admire people who uh, went in the military and their sacrifice and, and the discipline and God, God hope they were not injured. But I think being on a mission and having the discipline that so often comes with being in the military is a wonderful thing. I, I would love it if we applied more of that to our schools. I don't want, I wouldn't want my kids fighting in a war, but I wouldn't mind them being pushed through some of that discipline. It wouldn't hurt any of us. Yeah, I agree. I think that in the army, the, the training is great. The war is not. If we can build right. <laughs> you know, right. a world without a world without a war, but with a training, I think that's that's the that's the best solution. Right. So, guy, you you had some early success after a few years of struggle, or some early success, and then what was your next project? What would you do after the military work? 
So after that company, I um, uh, my wife is Japanese and uh, her mom was sick and we being asked to go to Japan to help her mom. So I start another company in Japan. That that was in 2011. Uh, it was an IoT Internet of Things platform that we want to build code-free application builder so people can build an application without coding. That time was pretty uh, unique. So they can drag and drop and build a mobile application and right. PC and control that uh, for machines, for cars, for anything, and integrate business data. So it was for companies software it was a platform and in 2016 i moved to the u.s i moved the company to the u.s and sold that company to general electric in 2017 very nice very nice congratulations thank you so you had some success so you built a company in israel built a company in japan and now you're building one in the u.s <laughs> right that's incredible yeah that's so you know, I know everyone wants a flying car, so maybe this is a, a silly question. But uh, what made you? What was the inspiration behind Aska? What What made you say the next project is going to be a a flying car? So it was a couple of things, but the major issue, you know, while living in Japan, I was kind of like astonished and see how people commute to being commuting for one to two hours every day. My employees will come to the office. The country built around train, so everybody using the train, jumping from one train to another, and people were coming to the office exhausted. So that was kind of like shocking because that affects the family life. If you can see Japan yes, reduced population in the next 30 years, the population is going to be reduced by 30%. People don't want to get married. People don't want to have kids. They, they're living because of the cost of living around those stations. It's so expensive. People live in such a small apartment where they don't have living room. So really hard quality of life. So this is wrong. And, and you know, as Israeli kids, you grow up that America is the best in the world. Everything in America is best. The car is the best. The food is the best. That's how we grow up in Israel. And I came here to the Silicon Valley. Some and, of that's true, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, this, this is how we grow up, you know. And I came here and, and I saw that I came and, and I actually pushed a local family when I bought my house. They could not afford to stay here and said, oh, you know, I pushed this family. But, you know, in 15, 20 years, another kids will come from Israel. Aggressive will push my kids because they will not be able to afford to leave. Right. Well, where you're living in the Bay Area and the Silicon Valley, that's uh, that's expensive. And, you know, it's interesting. California, wonderful state. I, I always tell the story many years ago. God, it's probably over 30 years ago. God, a long time ago. My sister lived in first in Venice, then she moved to Brentwood. But I remember we went to Newport Beach one night through a party. It was a big group of us. And then after the party, we decided we got to go home. And it's like three in the morning. I should be able to get from Newport Beach back to Los Angeles there. You know, I'm thinking, I'm not very long, right? It was stop and go traffic at three in the morning on a weeknight. Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking, I'm from the Detroit area. I was thinking, I could walk down the expressway in Detroit at three in the morning. I mean, it it, it was unbelievable. And that's, that's, again, over 30 years ago. Right. The traffic that is... That in Los Angeles is not the only place. There's a lot of places where the cost is high to live and the traffic is crazy. It's a tough lifestyle. And you know what? I've I've had the long commute here in the Detroit area at different times. When you have a long commute, you don't spend time with your family. You don't go to the gym. Right. <laughs> Those are the things that suffered in my life. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and you know, and when you know when we come here and we saw that, but we also saw here in the city, San Francisco, that people start to build apartment without living room because they try to condense, you know, people, and I'm sure that there's many other big cities in the U.S. the same. People start to live in smaller, smaller apartment because they cannot afford, you know, to have, and you have families and, and people, it's not good. It's not good for the kids. They don't give, provide a good environment. Then we saw that a lot of startup that developed trying to condense you, like the, the ride share, the scooters. I mean, this is all great, but, you know, rainy day snow day do you want to go on a scooter to work you know and a fun weekend it's great i want to go in a flying car damn it yeah so then <laughs> then we kind of think about that you know and say you know people don't think about quality of life you know how can we provide people with reduced cost of living let them live in an area where cost of living is is lower but quality of life is higher because we have to provide a better society and if you look at Japan, that build around the train station or the country, so hubs or terminals or train station, that's not the solution because it will always become a condensed. It will always become expensive around the, the, the airport or the, the train station. And highway, the government, they don't have money to build more and more. So the only solution is to to develop a distributed transportation where you have multi-points to multi-points transportation where you don't need to build a massive infrastructure. So that was our guideline. So minimum infrastructure investment, then then we would be able to develop a new level for our next generation. Very nice. Very nice. So your idea was really not just a, a toy. Your Your idea was kind of had this bigger thought, which is I'm going to transform the way people live. Now, granted, you're not going to be able to transform it anyway, because just the, at least initially the cost is going to be high. But still, if you're looking and saying, I want to live in San Francisco or I want to live in Silicon Valley and I got to pay a million dollars for a bungalow, maybe it makes sense to say, I'm going to fly, <laughs> fly a hundred miles away and, and buy a mansion <laughs> for, for a million bucks. Right. And 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 so so you can start to do the math, and I'm sure that's some of the thought process, because there are certain areas, and both coasts are very expensive in the U.S. Other places are some somewhat expensive, but not like the coasts of the U.S. Right, I agree with you. So so right now we're starting the the first vehicle is is very expensive. It's a limited edition. You know, those are the early adopters that helping us to to build this industry. But once we coming to a mass production. And we are providing a very unique business plan for those people who, you know, cannot afford and own it. Because, you know, if you think about a car, 90% of the time is just sitting in your garage. Right. We're moving, we're moving more and more to this idea of shared, shared cars. And it's a, it's a weird thing for somebody my age to go, well, I've always had a car when I need my own car. But the majority of the time, my car sits. Right. And now that there's Lyft, I, I do take Lyft and I kind of think, you know, if I'm going to the bar to meet my friends, I'm like, I'll take Lyft. I don't want to have to worry about counting my, you know, making sure I don't have more than one or two drinks. I take Lyft and, and it's easy. It's not, it's not hard like it once was. So the idea of sharing, that's, that's coming, right? So, so at some point you're going to have like a timeshare on these, right? Fractional ownership. Yeah, so what we're doing, we just came out last week during the Monterey Car Week with our timeshare. 
where we'll have a hub of those vehicles and you have an app where you schedule Monday to Thursday, you, you take the car, we either deliver you and you pick it up that the car and you use that and you bring it to us back. So we will manage the car, we'll do the maintenance, we'll do the cleaning and everything. And you just don't need to worry, you just bike 20 hours a year, 50 hours a year. That's fantastic. So so let's get into the details of the car. So when I think of a car, I, I have a car, everyone has a car who's listening, I suspect, or at least been in one. I, I can drive it. I get in that car and I'm driving. Uh, does your car drive? And, and I, I should also point out, you, you're not, you, you've got prototypes, but you're not quite, you're not in production yet. So the production, the goal, when you guys finally launch this, will this drive just like a regular car? So that drive like a regular car. The first release will be what we call limited road. So it will not be going onto the highway. We design it for the highway, but it will take us a little bit more time to get the highway certification and do all the crash tests. So first, you will drive it on the road like like a normal car, local road. And you will drive to an area where you can take off like helipad or an airport. Oh, so, so if I'm sitting at traffic jam, I can't just activate the... Uh... <laughs> the wings and fly. No, right? <laughs> no, you cannot do that. I should also point out now this, I'm probably going to describe this the wrong way. So correct me if, where I go astray. This looks very much like a drone with the, the helicopter with the, the five, the five propellers above it, like a helicopter or a drone as opposed to wings, right? So actually this is a mixed, what we did for the last four years when we designed the vehicle, we took the advantage of a drone. So it's six propellers for a vertical takeoff. And we have a very large wing for forward flight that providing us the lift, but also safety because this is whole vehicle is designed for safety. We are trying to take the, and, and our mission is to take the general aviation into the next level of safety because, you know, most of the people afraid to fly on a Cessna. Oh, yeah. 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 That was when we were prepping. I just told you I, I used to work for a company and the, the owner said, I'm going to buy a little plane and then we don't have to take commercial. We'll just fly down to, to, to our customer. It was just like a few hours away. And I was like, buy plane. And I was like, I'm not flying with you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, little, some little Cessna. Those are the planes that crash. It's not the big planes that crash. It's the little planes that crash. Yeah. And and I don't like the idea that it's got like it got, the, that propeller could go break and then all right. of a sudden you're just looking for a field, hoping for the best. Yeah, right. I mean, that that's that's the point. You know, we have enough challenge in our life and we don't want to increase more challenges. And although, you know, the, the Cessna, I have to say, it's a very safe and very reliable aircraft. I'm sure I'm sure it is. I'm uh, sure it is. But it's not, it's not their fault that um, that humans are the weak link. <laughs> <laughs> and and to be honest, you know, I took my kids when when you know we start developing. I want to test. I took my kids to fly in a Cessna a couple of time, and I said no more because I see, as you said, I see this this one prop, and I see this one engine. <laughs> if something going wrong, you know, you know, it doesn't work. You know, I'm I have, yes. so so that was driving me as as me as afraid to fly. And I never took my kids to a helicopter. You know, myself, I will jump, but not with my kids. Um, so I want to fly something that I feel comfortable first. That have to be right. Well, it, obviously, it's very bad business to create anything that hurts anybody. <laughs> so, so you're going to create this this car, and at least initially, you got to get a highway certification. But you'll at least be able to drive around surface roads. You know, drive around your city. 
And the cool thing about it, you can drive to a helipad or drive to a little airport and then take off. You you can't necessarily take off from your house, correct? No. So it's some some people have a very large lot and they have the permission from the local government right. to take off. That yes, they could do that, but majority cannot. Yeah, actually, I see. But right by my house, there's I live kind of in a little more of a, a more land out where I live, and there is a subdivision that everyone has planes and they fly in and fly out. And I know there's some communities like that. And I imagine there'll be more communities like that if they have an ASCA right. <laughs> where they yeah. say, yeah, we can take off from our backyard, which is where. And so when I'm taking off, I, I right now the plan is I'll go to a helipad or to an airport. Do I have to file like a flight plan? Yes. So right now you have to file like a flight plan. and But we are part of the NASA selected about six, seven aircraft companies to be part of the urban air mobility program. And that program is called the national campaign to promote that. And we are building the vehicle. On the other hand, they select about 12, 11, 12 companies to build the air traffic management system. So it will be an automated system that you you basically put your coordinating in like a Google map and it's get all the certified. So, so NASA wants to have some sort of urban mobility. Is that what you said? Yeah, they want to have. And what is their goal? So, you know, the goal is transportation is one of the key advantage of economy, right? And unfortunately, U.S. lost the EV market, the electrical vehicle market. And U.S. have to go into urban air mobility, and they trying to develop this entire industry so U.S. can lead in that. And that means they have to work very close with them and the FAA kind of regulate this industry so we would be able to build all those vehicles. Right. So I'll be able to fly. I'll be able to drive drive this car around town, and then when I want, I can fly. Now, when I do get to the helipad and I, I file my flight plan, and then I take off. Is this? Do I have to have a pilot's license to fly? Yes. So we, since we are a consumer product, so we don't sell it to an airline. We sell it to a consumer, either Uber driver or consumer. So it's a, it's require a forty hours general aviation pilot training that, including our price. So we will provide you that. I imagine at least initially the people who are buying already have a pilot's license. <laughs> That's you know, to be honest, we got less than 100 orders already uh, in our showroom. Mm-hmm. And I can say that 90% is people that own cars, like supercars and cars enthusiastic. Okay. They will not buy a Cessna, but they will buy our expensive vehicle because they feel right. comfortable with it to fly it. So they want to fly, but they don't want the general aviation today. Right. So I have to file my flight plan. I have to get that training. And then when I take off, how far can I go with uh, this? What's the what's the range? So the range is 250 miles. It's a base. Nice. Yeah. So it's electric. And that's not that's not 250 miles over the road, though. That's 250 miles as the crow flies, I guess they'd say. Right. Yes. Which could be, you know, so let's just say I wanted to go to Wisconsin from where I'm at here in Michigan. I could go probably go there. If I had to take the expressway, it's probably over, over 300 miles. But if I took straight, yep. 
So you can... so this have to charge. So when I get two hundred fifty miles, does it, I have to go to do I have to charge it to come back if I want? To... Yeah. So this is a full electric system, but we have a range extender. So we have a, a generator, gasoline generator that you fill up the in gasoline station. Then it's charging the batteries all the time. So the, it's act for, because as I say, safety is number one. And right now we don't trust the batteries so much. You know, we, we want to provide the general aviation that with a high redundancy. So you have the batteries as a one system backup, but then you have the generator in case of emergency. Yeah. Or you have, if Very you nice. lose the generator, you have the batteries. And that gives you also the range. So it's 250 mile range with four passenger. But if you are flying yourself, you get the range is, is actually longer. Very nice. Very nice. So when are you, when, when's the launch? So we're planning to have a delivery customers starting in 2026. Very nice. And now will you sell these from your dealership or how's this, uh, how's this going to sell? So we have an online booking system and people, what we do is a pre-order. It's a, we have, we created the founder club. So people who is enthusiastic to pre-order them and people put a $5,000 in escrow account managed by a law firm. So it's not coming to the company. It's a hundred percent refundable. So if let's say before delivery, one year or two years later, you said, no, I'm not interested anymore. You get your $5,000. In the meantime, you get a one share in the company. And we are meeting every three to five months when you meet our engineers. And we kind of explain to you, you know, the program with NASA, how it's moving forward. We explain you our challenges to develop it and how we're going to overcome those challenges. And we ask you as an end user how you want to use it because that feedback is very important for us in the development. Right, right. So you mentioned uh, they'll get shares in the company for buying. Uh, are you vent- venture capital backed? So we are, we are funding, we are, I'm the major, major investor in the company and we are looking more, uh, do fundraising and in the future we'll do an IPO. So a lot of the people listening to my podcast are logistics guys. And so there, I know they're all thinking, is there commercial uses for this? So are, are some of the, your early, uh, adopters here interested in commercial uses for this? Yes, actually, that we already got orders from hospitals for moving organism, and that was kind of yeah. surprise for, for us. For, so for organ transplants, yes, and patient because they they came to us and and they said, you know, we don't want to move from the ambulance to the helicopter to the aircraft to another ambulance. That that's too much. We want to oh, right. We want a vehicle that driving, you know, pick it up, driving to the helipad or the airport, take off fly, land, and drive all the way to the hospital to deliver, to reduce risk. Interesting. It's very interesting because I just recently I had the guys from Airspace on my podcast. And we actually, I, I sent them a, a link to your company. Airspace does a lot of organ transplants via air freight. And, you know, the visibility became very important. So could you see a time when you would end up make, you know, converting some of these to rather than four-seaters, more almost ambulance vehicles? Oh yeah, I mean that's that's will be in the beginning. Or I mean, we already have pre-order for that, so those vehicles will be less. The interior exterior will be suitable for for move stuff. And we have another family from Texas that actually order the vehicles. They are in the, the automotive business and they want to expand their business. What they do right now, and they want a vehicle that 
you know, to expand to 100 miles away. And with current transportation, if they have to drive or have to fly, they kind of like losing the entire working day. So they're going to use that vehicle for that. So we see a lot of commercial use for us that we didn't thought before. Yeah. So tell me, how fast will this go on the road? So on the road in the beginning, it, it's designed for 70 miles an hour. So the, what we envision in the future, that you're going to have the car who's going to serve you for 1 to 30 miles. That will be a right. small car, electric car. And any trip above 30 miles, you're going to jump to a drive-and-fly vehicle. That's, okay. that's what we predict the future look like. So when you're flying, how fast does it go? 150 miles. So what? just for context, how fast would like a, a little Cessna uh, go? It's this, just a little what? bit faster than a Cessna. Okay. How about a helicopter? How fast does uh, a helicopter it, it, go? I don't it's, even know. It's less than that. Yeah. It depends. There are some faster, but in general, it's less. Helicopter slower than a Cessna. And, and so you're faster than a Cessna, faster than a, yeah. a helicopter. That's very nice. Very nice. And in terms of, so we create a flight plan um, because and this isn't going to happen overnight, but I just envision like a whole bunch of people, let's just say there's a lot of wealthy people in the Bay Area who say, look, I don't want to live. I don't want to live in this very expensive area. I'm going to fly out after work. You could see hundreds or thousands at some point, people wanting to leave LA on a Friday afternoon. I'm not saying LA, San Francisco or Silicon Valley. Is that is that going to be possible yeah i mean that that's what we predict the future because you know in the large cities if you look about the cost of one bedroom is an average about a million dollar and <laughs> this is crazy for a family with three kids right and what i want to create and, and now you think about this th those large cities today in the u.s you know you have families living there and make it super expensive so young guys cannot afford and you know most of people are already, you know, that already retired cannot afford to leave. But if we have, we provide the families ability to live outside, we provide more quality of life. Because, you know, living off with COVID time in, in 40, 50 store apartments, you know, it's not a oh, pleasure yeah. for kids, you know. Yeah, it's been difficult. Yeah. Can you see a time where um, you, you personally say, you and your wife, you have children, and you say, we're going to live hundred miles from the dealership and I'm going to fly my, fly my, uh, drive and fly to work every yeah, day. I mean, it's 20 minutes, hundred miles. We'll do it in 20 minutes. So it's quick, you know? Yeah. Why to spend all that? And, and we, you just can get, you can get a, a bigger space and you can get kids with quality of life. And I think when, when you have a kids, you want to go outside the city when we are in areas and then, when kids leaving the house, then you can go back. But right now, the dynamic of cities is not healthy because you have mix of of families and people that, and then you have majority that become hard to, you know, get hard to leave because they're living in a very small space or not nice space. So, right, right. Well, there's some certain urban ills that a lot of us want to get away from, and and it's great when you're young and you say, "I got all these restaurants and bars around me." It's less fun when you say there's homeless dudes down the street and um, my kids have to walk by them. <laughs> anyway, so you're going to launch this thing in 2026. How many do you plan to initially make? For the first two years, we designed the vehicle to be uh, manufactured 1,500 vehicles. 
and they'll be made in the U.S.? They're made in the U.S., yes. So are your suppliers aircraft companies or are they automotive companies? Or who's making all these parts for you? So it's a mix. It's interesting. Yeah, it's it's a mix. It's new industry because what, you know, what we're taking, what we're trying to do is to take the automotive to the next level. Because right now the automotive basically lost, you know, to China, everything coming from China. And there is not much, you know, right. you can do because you cannot hard to provide the value added. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see some of those supply chains move back over the ocean <laughs> sooner rather than later. <laughs> but um, So you have a big engineering staff. Do they come from an automotive background or they come from a aviation background? So our majority team is aviation. So we have a few automotive background because we're still in the development. But while we go uh, continue to develop the company, we'll need more and more in automotive people. Yeah, I remember uh, when when Silicon Valley got hot, I don't know, if going back 10, 15 years ago when I started getting a lot of phone calls from people. I was still working in automotive and they would talk about developing this or that. And I always remember thinking, oh, you need some engineers from here because what you just described isn't isn't meeting Fed regs. <laughs> and and that's like, oh, and it's funny because very innovative. And, you know, compare that to the very mature approach that the uh, automotive companies take, but they're enormous Fed regs in the space and you have to meet them all. And, and you mentioned safety. We want to meet them all. So I think most times when you're working in automotive, you set the Fed reg and then you exceed it. So you set, you work with them and say, this is what we think it should be. And then you work to exceed it because no one wants to say, yeah, I designed the part that hurt families right. or hurt anybody. Right. right. So you're going to start building these in 2026 somewhere in the U.S. And uh, so what is the price tag? So the price for the limited edition custom interior exteriors, including the pilot license, is 789 if you buy this. Very nice, very nice. Now, you, I know you mentioned timeshares. How do you, do you have pricing on that yet? Or are you still playing around with it? No, we don't have the price for the timeshare. So right now, what we do is to we ask people to reserve the right and to put the five thousand dollars in the escrow account, hundred percent refundable, as I mentioned, and work with us. And before delivery, they will have the option either to buy it or just to do timeshare. Then they can decide five hours, hundred hours, fifty hours. 300 hours a year. So that, that would make it an affordable, you know, because you cut, if you right. do a trip of five hours driving, you cut it to one hour, you cut the cost, you know, you cut the time. You So it will be affordable to people if they do the timeshare. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting because I, I, I live in Michigan and, you know, um, the Detroit metro area is great, but a lot of people go, we call it going up north. <laughs> and so they go to northern Michigan on the weekend. So Traverse City, you know, Upper Peninsula, wherever they're, it's a long way away. <laughs> it's very far away. And I can see at some point people saying, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drive four hours. I'm going to get in one of these bad boys and fly there. And what I'm $789,000 doesn't mean everyone's going to buy them. But I also envision as, as it matures, you're going to be able to lower that price point as more people buy and the production numbers go up. And before you know it, we'll, we'll all have an opportunity. And so if you were to do that timeshare, like, what are you thinking? Like 10 hours a week or five hours a week? Or how's that work? So we'll give you the option. It, you can do less. Is you can do twenty hours a year. 
We don't mind. It's up to you to decide. We will collect the data. That's part of the process that we want to work with you. Is kind of like to understand how many hours you want to... This is the, the, the Founder Club's mission is to understand how many hours would you be interested in kind of like to pre-order and, and commit per year. So we want to make it as affordable and accessible as much as right. we can to as many people. Yeah, and the timeshare option would seem like you might have to, if you're going to share it, you're going to have to be in a major metro area. So you might start Bay Area or somewhere where you say, look, I think there's going to be high demand for it. And I guess you'd need a certain critical mass of participants before you can say, yeah, I'm going to do one in New York or one in Chicago. So we started to collect, you know, people and we see it over that time because once you join the founder clubs, we already have indication how many people in which area and then we can, we are planning that. And what we see here is very interesting is people joining our founder clubs bring their friends. Very it's nice. kind of like friend nice. bring friends. So it's, it's create a community for them and then how, and nobody take a major risk and then they can afford to have, and for us, it makes sense economically to put a couple of vehicle next to them and they bring their friend. And so it's, it's great. So, so what you're telling me is I got to get with my buddies and say, Hey, we need one of these. Yeah. And you, you <laughs> start, need to share it. Yeah. And you start and, but what is nice in that you don't have, like, it's not, you don't own it that you need to do the maintenance. You care. You just basically book with us and just, get your friend in the same area, then it's making us motivated us to put more and more vehicles. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about what you're talking about. One of the things that, you know, seems to be an ongoing debate in, in the U S is, you know, we need mass transit and people keep saying mass transit metro and California built that huge train. I, that I don't think is ever going to run. And it was enormously expensive. And I just don't think it's in the nature of the country to use mass transit. And everyone says, yeah, but you don't understand Europe. Yeah, I get it. You're, but Europe's has a much, it's much more density in the population. So it's not something that's going to happen here. And so I love the idea of something like this, which is really kind of personalized air travel. And let's face it, air travel could use a little bit of upgrading. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, for the people that's saying about mass transport, to, like, to let's see Japan. Because they build the entire country around train station. And in Japan, you can go any point almost with the train. And you have the train available every three to five minutes. But what is created? Condensed area, expensive areas. Because right. in everyone the, wants to be near yes. the trains. And what do you get? You get smaller and smaller apartments. People don't want to get married. Don't want to have a kid. Population reduced. So whatever, just go ask them. Go see what happened in Japan. This doesn't work. Yeah, we were we were talking about this offline. I, I asked you if you spoke Japanese and you said not very much. And you lived there six years and, and your wife is Japanese. And I said, I took two semesters of Japanese and I hardly remember any of it. The words I remember, there's 30,000 American or English words in the Japanese language. <laughs> Those I remember. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Very interesting. Again, I'm 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 really happy for this uh, this development, and congratulations on you and your team's success. So, 2026, we're going to have this option. Uh, price is 789, but there's going to be timeshare options, and and there's going to be really a, a good opportunity for some commercial usage for sure, at least for medical. And then obviously, it's going to start changing the way we live. Again, this it comes off when you say flying car. You're like, oh, that's just a fun fun toy for rich guys. 
but really when it's when it hits its maturity it has the ability to get us out of the out of the uh, cities and into the country if we want right yeah so guy what i'll do is i'll put a link to your linkedin profile so people can Thank reach you. out and talk to you and i'll also put a link to ask a drive and fly your website any other information you get and guys if even if you're not planning on buying one just yet you need to go take a look because he's they've got some very nice uh, video i know they have some prototypes and they've got some interesting stuff going on. And also, tell before you go, tell what you've got going there at your uh, showroom. Yeah, so in our showroom, we have three scale model that we've been designed over the years. So we have the new one and we have the also we're showing the history of the development. We have a wind tunnel test model that we show how the wind tunnels. We get uh, hundreds of kids in schools coming here to do. We have a school program. So if, if you kids want, please ask the teacher to contact us. We have a one hour that we go with kids about what is aerodynamic stress analysis, flight control, carbon fiber, how we're building the vehicles. We have the learning center in, the, in our showroom as well, where people can touch the carbon fiber, can see the engineering, can see all the drawings. So it's really fun place. So whatever you visit the Bay Area, don't forget to come and visit the Aska showroom. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. And uh, I think, yeah, th- see, those kids are being taught that they're going to get a flying car, but they might actually get one when they're, right. <laughs> when they're 25. Me, I, I, I want these things kicked off before I get too old to drive one. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. You always can use Lyft or, uh, of Uber to take you with Aska. Uh, we expect to have many, that, many that Uber cool. drivers and Lyft drivers to use Asuka. That'd be cool. You're going to have to be a little more trained than the average Lyft driver, but yeah. I'm sure you'll take care of that. Yes, we will train them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Guy, give us your final thoughts on this topic, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, no, thank you very much. You know, is our mission here is really to develop the next generation transportation. And right now is a huge opportunity for the U.S. to develop the uh, automotive industry and to make America big again in the automotive because we, you know, it's, we lost to China in the EV part. And this kind of industry of drive and fly will create a unique for the U.S. to lead the world again. So please join us and just even put a thumbs up for us on social media. Looking forward to see you guys and get your feedback and learn how you want to use it so we can make a better vehicle. I'm looking forward. This is back to the future. I'm going to be flying around in one of those cars. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Guy. Again, really appreciate it. And congratulations on on this really cool project. You're really changing the world. All right. And uh, thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.